So today on E1B2, I'm bringing you another amazing guest. Her name is Kristen Hancock. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing internal comms specialist. Someone that truly cares about humanizing internal comms, humanizing leadership, humanizing culture, humanizing employee experience. And her overall perspectives and, and, and raw emotion and authenticity is something that I truly resonate with. And I know for a fact that you guys will as well. Throughout this episode, we talk about a lot of things, right? We talk and go into things such as the truth behind organizational leaders that don't use common sense and good human being traits as it pertains to leadership. Now, I will give you guys a fair warning. We get super excited and super animated about this topic. So get ready. <laughs> we also go into, you know, the attributes around why meetings suck and how us as leaders can make sure that meetings don't suck and, and how we can make sure that meetings are productive and how we can have empathy and authenticity with our meetings as well. We also go into employee engagement as it pertains to one-on-ones and what we really want to extract from those one-on-ones, some of the templates that may be beneficial while trying to conduct these one-on-ones. And then we also go down the path of kind of understanding a little bit more about her speaking background, her entrepreneurial background, because she is going to actually be a speaker at the latest and greatest event that is going to be happening in Atlanta called What Employees Want. It's an amazing conference that's actually going to be hosting and bringing in actual employees that are going to be sharing their stories, their perspectives, their authenticity to these leaders so that we can actually have empathy, right? Because I think a lot of people talk about empathy, but what's what, like, can, can we all think of a better way than to actually have the employees here telling you their fears, telling you their complaints, telling you what gets them excited, what gets them up in the morning, telling you what really drives them and motivates them, and then actually hearing from the leaders how they're going to respond to that data, respond to those perspectives. So again, like I said, Kristen really brought some amazing content here. She really brought some amazing perspectives that I truly appreciate. I'm learning a bunch about this episode and I know for a fact you guys will as well like I always say pause it pull over do whatever you got to do write down some notes take as many gems from this episode as you can I know I did enjoy So what's going, everybody? This is Anthony Vaughn back again with another episode of E1B2. I have Kristen Hancock here. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Perfect. I'm amazing. I'm amazing. It's a uh, it's a little a uh, little cloudy here. Is it is it sunny over there in Canada? It's snowing and I think 12 degrees. So I think I've got you beat. If that's some kind of competition. <laughs> it's snowing. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We've got well, a few guess, inches of snow already, so we're we're ready for winter up here. I forgot it gets pretty cold over there. It really does. It's not California, huh? No, it is the opposite of California. <laughs> got it. Well, uh, well, I guess. Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm I'm super excited about this episode. We connected a, a very long time. I wouldn't say a very long time. A few months back. Yeah. Um, and we had a great conversation. Uh, you gave me a lot of great tips. Uh, along my my interesting journey here so I'm super excited about this episode thank you so much oh I'm excited to be here and I'm glad we connected it's been uh kind of I think a, a great partnership for both of us 100 percent. so uh I guess very briefly tell me just tell me quickly about kind of who you are your background um your and 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 I guess also 
a few core perspectives that you do have. Uh, I'm always very interested to kind of learn about everyone's unique take on HR leadership or culture or whatever it is that you feel like you're kind of uh, a quote unquote expert in. Mm, yeah. Well, I like to think I'm an expert in a lot of things. So that's, there you go. <laughs> like um, so, so I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm living in Canada right now. I'm actually immigrating to the U S in a couple of weeks. So I will be uh, America's newest immigrant from, from up North. Mm-hmm. Which will be exciting. My background professionally is in communications, and I that's internal and external. But over the last few years, I've really spent a lot of time focusing on internal. And I that's because I've really seen the impact that amazing internal communication can have, and also the impact that poor internal communication can have. Mm-hmm. So I, most of my background professionally, communications-wise, was in nonprofit. Uh, healthcare, government, and about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I started my own business, which is just as exciting and terrifying as everyone thinks it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been focusing on internal communications, uh, doing some consulting work with that and some contract work and helping some smaller organizations see the value of what some of them are already doing. And then also helping uh, organizations who maybe aren't doing things that are going that are helping employee engagement shift their focus a little bit and and understand why that's so important very cool so for the for the like four people (laughs) that are probably um, not too versed in kind of understanding exactly the inner workings of internal communications because as you know my story and a lot of my you know audience members here some of the people that have ever you know consumed this content i don't necessarily come directly from a lot of uh, i don't directly come from this world whether again it's internal communications culture leadership all these different buzzwords you know i was not too uh, aware of these words and i was kind of just naturally and organically doing things as an entrepreneur and as a leader so kind of give us the breakdown because i know there's a lot of different aspects and concepts to it whether it's internally externally kind of Walk us through, uh, I guess, your area of of expertise and what it really looks like from an internal communications standpoint. It's really interesting you mentioned that because one of the less. was that a lot of companies, smaller, I'll say smaller organizations, I think larger companies maybe are a little bit different, but um, a lot of smaller companies are doing great work with employee engagement or internal communications, but they don't know that that's what it's called. So I was having a conversation with a CEO one day and I said, he was talking about their hiring practices and HR and you know what, how, the, how it was working because they were expanding at such a rate that he realized he couldn't be the one hiring every single employee anymore. He needed to streamline that process. And so I said to him, well, what are you doing now for internal communications? And he said, I, I don't know what you mean by that. And it was a really interesting moment for me because I realized a lot of people who have, a, have an educational background in communications are using language that doesn't always match with what the rest of the business world is talking about. So when you, when you talk about internal communications, I think part of it is that for uh, maybe newer startup organizations or, or smaller ones, they might not even know that word yet um and i think then there are all kinds of other buzzwords employee engagement employee alignment employee advocacy all these things we talk about that um maybe don't have the same resonance with people who aren't living that world every day 
So, <clears throat> excuse me, part of it, I think, is just outlining what we mean by that. So what I mean by internal communications is communication that you are using to share and converse with people who work at your organization, mm -hmm. whoever you define that as. Some of them may be remote, some of them may be in the office. Of course, you're going to have different audiences, no different than external communications. So there are a lot of parallels between the two. Um, and I, my belief is that strong internal communications is necessary if you want to have engaged employees. Very interesting. So when you say that, we're talking anything from, are we talking anything from like a one-on-one to an email to any sort of newsletters that are coming out? Uh, I see, I've seen some cool brands even have like physical internal magazines, like some of the smaller startups here. Um, are we, like, what are we talking really here when we say the communication that you're having? What are some of the forms of communication? I, it's, it's absolutely everything you mentioned and more. So there's the formal pieces. Maybe you send a weekly e-newsletter, maybe you have a print magazine, maybe you have an internal podcast. Um, but it's also one of the things I've focused a lot on. It's also those smaller daily interactions like sending emails, like having check-ins with your staff one-on-one, -on -one, like having weekly team meetings. Some mm -hmm. of those, you know, people could call them mundane office activities. That's internal communication. And if you're not doing it properly, you're doing your employees a disservice and your engagement rates are, are going to drop dramatically. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, sharing knowledge with people and encouraging people to look at those very small day-to-day -day activities um, because I think that's where it starts. If your one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct supervisor are stressful, anxiety producing, or pointless, boring, whatever, your impression of that company and your engagement within that company is not going to be great. Very true. Have you, let me ask you a very odd question. I do want to jump out. I, I don't want to stick on here because I have a few more things that I want to talk about pertaining to this, but something just popped in my head. I think it's the ADD in me. Um, <laughs> so this happened with the previous company that I was with for a number of years. There was a split with the internal communications. And when I say a split, this is what I mean. There was the internal communications that I, as the director of employee experience, was having with each uh, member of the team. And the internal communications that I was having was really in the form of, I would send out um, like these like, these morning texts that, that, that were individualized. And I think that I was able to do that, obviously, because of the, it was a small team, right? We only had 15, 16 people. So obviously I could pull that off. It's much harder when you have hundreds upon hundreds, even thousands of people. Uh, and then really the other aspect of it was the uh, the the one-on-ones the -on that I was doing, which was kind of like, you know, pulse checking, you know, checking out their their perspectives of the of the business, their overall perspectives internally as a human, because I'm really big on that, because I feel like if I have a good understanding of where they are as a human, that's going to eventually trickle on down to how they how they produce as an employee or just how they view uh, life overall. And, and those inner workings are eventually going to impact, you know, their ability to produce a product or deliver a service, you know, so one down the line there. So um, they were very positive, right? The internal communication mm -hmm. that I was having was a very positive one. Now, when I say a split, the internal communications they were having with the CEO were very negative or were, were very anxiety driven. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and they felt that there was like a split in the culture. There were so many times where they would tell me, you know, if only you were running the business, my perspective on the business would be much better. You know, there were so many times, if only you were the person that I, you know, that made the final decisions, my perspectives on staying here would, would, would change or adjust. I actually remember uh, there was a time where an employee decided to stay for an extra year because we switched around the, the communication lines where unless there was an emergency and a really big fire, he had no reason to even reach out to the CEO or talk to that human. And he only connected and, 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 and reported to me directly. And that allowed him to stay for a much longer period of time. And I thought that was cool and creative. But in my head, I was like, this is completely unnecessary. It shouldn't be like this. Right. Why do we have to go through these hoops and bounds trying to create this? So do you have any thoughts on kind of that split? Have you seen that split where someone in the leadership position, like I'm sure you were at one point before you stepped out on your own, you kind of have these great relationships with your team and then their perspectives of the logo because of the people that are higher up than you that are kind of looked at as the final decision makers maybe they don't look at them in the most positive light. Have you seen that split? I've seen it and I've lived it. And, I, and I've, I've seen it in both ways. I've seen it where, and experienced it in both ways, where your team might be really high functioning, engaged, you know, open communication, great leadership. But like you say, hire the, the organization as a whole. You know, I've the, one of my favorite joke sayings is a fish stinks from the head down. So if you have a wonderful supervisor, but your CEO is a jerk, there's a disconnect there. And, and, but if you flip that around, I've also worked for companies where the top leadership is amazing, but your immediate supervisor is a jerk and that doesn't yeah. work either. You know, and I, and I, that disconnect is what fuels so much angst and anxiety and and frustration with employees because they're getting mixed messages every day so when you said you know you you were a, a great leader and had open communication with your staff and they probably loved working for you i'd like to think i've been in that position myself too but but overall it's still frustrating and, and the thing that i realized in that in that role was that i could have the most high functioning engaged team in the entire organization but if the message from the top didn't match our engagement as a team. It was only ever going to be so good. It was never going to be great because it, it can't be. There's too much of a disconnect. And I think that's where if you, if there are times where really plugged in communicators can make that difference and can approach leadership with data from employees and saying, Here's how employees are feeling about messages coming from leadership. I think there are lots of times where CEOs or, or you know, high level people in your organization truly just don't realize that their messages aren't resonating. At the same time, I think there are also, I know there are also organizations where that top leadership doesn't get it and they don't care. And, and if that's the case, I, you're banging your head against a brick wall. Yeah. You know? well, I'll well, I'll tell you a personal situation that happened to me uh, that, that was actually pretty frustrating. Uh, I did exactly what you just said, which was I presented to a lot, a lot of this data. Um, mm -hmm. I, I tend to think that I have a good sense of kind of like relational intelligence and emotional intelligence. So the way that I approached the leader, I would think was kind of a, a positive way and, and, and it kind of connected to the his communication style. 
Yeah. Um, so I didn't, you know, provide like a threat response and freak him out or anything. And, um, and over time, you know, he eventually actually said to me that I believe that you're creating a culture of complainers. You know, he's like, oh. I, you know, I, I never heard any of these issues before you came on board. Wow. Um, and I said, well, that's super fascinating. <laughs> and, and I won't get into that. <laughs> and I, you probably could tell with the way that I said that, <laughs> how that conversation went. I said, well, that's interesting because, you know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of things that have happened, whether it's the because our retention numbers were, were were actually very rough. But then there were a few situations where if it wasn't for me and a lot of the work that I was doing behind the scenes that, frankly, I didn't even tell him about a lot of the one-on-ones, a lot of the happy hour meetings that I was having, a lot of the, you know, pretty much on my knees begging them to understand that, look, I, I'm going to continue to go to back for you. Stay here. Let me try to fix this. you right. Let me try to problem solve these issues. Um, you know, if it wasn't for a lot of that, our retention numbers would have been even worse. Yeah. Um, yep. And so. And I think there's, there's that, that's that balance of as a communicator, but also as a human being, recognizing you know that the the saying about uh grant you the serenity to change the things you can accept the things you can't there are times that's very powerful in the workplace too there are organizations that all of us have worked for or will work for where you have to recognize that it it's not fixable and it's not your job to fix that and and then sometimes sometimes this is my so my unpopular opinion on a lot of this employee engagement stuff is there are times where people have come to me and said, I know that we have a good thing here at this organization, but leadership doesn't get it and they're doing the wrong things and they're sending the wrong messages and I've tried to get them to change and they're not listening and this is what they're doing. And there are times I have said to people, you need to find a new job. And no, that's, un- yes. that's uncomfortable and it's unpopular because everyone wants to think that we can change every leader in every organization. And sometimes you can't and that's okay. That's interesting. Yeah, no, but but I, people don't like hearing that, so that's a bit of no, an unpopular opinion. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a good opinion to have. And and let me and a, a final point on this, and I want to get back to the the uh, some of the inner workings of internal communications. Um, ha- have you ever have you ever had a situation where you as a leader, because this is something again that I went through, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that um, were previously in my roles um, that are again, whether it's like VP of people, employee experience director, whatever you want to call those roles where they've tried to balance it out where they they're driving home at 5 p.m they're settling they're sitting they're settling down they're having a glass of wine and like you are like you know and they're thinking to themselves okay i know that the relationships that i have with my 15 20 70 people that i'm leading and supporting and working with i know those relationships are great and i know their perspectives of me are positive. So I'm just going to try to look on the positive side, stay plugged into the positive aspects of it and try to ignore the crumbling effects that I'm seeing in the overall macro of this business. Uh, that didn't work for me. <laughs> right. Uh, would Have you ever seen scenarios like that or maybe give a helping hand to someone that tries to look at it that way? Because I have had a couple of people that said that they were able to pull that off where they were able to say, you know what, let me just stay in my pocket and 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 appreciate the relationships that I'm able to build and the impact that I'm able to have at a micro level with the 10 to 15, 20, 50 people that I'm directly leading and supporting. And whatever happens at a micro macro level, that's when the that's when the CEO. There's I, I've tried everything I can try. 
I, I think that there, I've, I've been in that situation too. I think that what the visual that always comes to mind with that is someone in the middle of, of a fire and they've built a little brick house and they're safe in their own little space, but everything around them is on fire. And right. And, and so you can live like that for a, for a brief period of time. My opinion and and my experience is I couldn't, I'm like you, that only lasted so long for me until I just, I just, it was so frustrating. And what was frustrating to me. And I think, again, this is where that self-awareness piece comes in. I was constantly feeling pulled between do I please leadership and my boss above me or do I please my staff? And, and because they didn't jive, right? Because I'm doing this thing with my team where we're, you know, functioning highly and engaged and everything else and leadership is not modeling that. So where do I stand? It was that middle manager position where I was, I always felt this pull and this strain between above me and below me. Um, and, and so, yeah, can, can you, can you, ignore some of that and do the best you can within your small group yeah i think you can do i think it's a long-term strategy no absolutely not you're gonna drive yourself crazy they should find a new job too i yeah i mean i I made i I don't know if there's one answer for every single situation it's so it's very unique to the person there are some people who can go to work and just ignore that part and recognize their great team and and carry on i'm not that person yeah um so again it's i think it's about knowing yourself and what you can do and very put cool. up with in a sense that's very cool yeah i mean it's it's a, it's a tough situation for everyone i just wanted to kind of shed a little light on it because i'm sure there will be someone listening to this at some point that uh is in that tough spot that they're just trying to they're trying mm-hmm. to just keep their mouth shut and 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 do what they need to do because at the end of the day you know they're an employee too right and they yeah. need to feed their families they need to make money um and it's yeah. a tough situation Absolutely. It is. I will not say that that decision comes lightly for sure. No, it doesn't. So, so back to internal communications, here's another question that I have um, that I've noticed. So let's talk about some of the more traditional ones, right? Let's talk about, let's talk about the email newsletters. Maybe let's talk about traditional emails that just may go out Mm -hmm. from, from, from the CEO, from, you know, all the executives here kind of giving them a state of the union on the business. Let's talk about also, um, potentially some surveys or some some other things that are going into that whole mix. You could do a whole podcast on surveys, first of all. <laughs> well, well here, here's the question I'm going to ask you. I, okay. I want to see what your, your mindset is on this. What are your thoughts on the authenticity and the reality of the data? So let me let me give you what I mean okay. here. I know there, there are other employees that are like me. Mm-hmm. I have been part of brands where I know I know the personal belief systems and the personal perspectives of the leader that are providing me this survey. Thus, my perspectives on them as a human are going to take into effect and I'm going to then BS this survey so I can get home. 100%. I believe that happens more than more leader. I believe this happens more than anyone wants to admit. And mm. I think... In my gut, and again, and please don't kill me, guys, because I've been getting killed sometimes for some of my content, because a lot of people have been telling me, well, you haven't been in this industry long enough to know. Look, I'm just giving you my gut perspective on this. I've been on both sides of the table. I'm just telling you what one man thinks. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of people that are in the space that are leading these initiatives that are, you know, 
the directors of employee experience doing these certain things, getting super excited about the tech and super excited about the, the systems that we're trying to put in place. And some of these surveys are super excited about these surveys and they're not looking and analyzing the emotional realities behind these surveys and what these employees are actually thinking when they are filling out these surveys and the authenticity and lack thereof. So mm-hmm. what are your perspectives on that? I think you're 100% right. And again, maybe you and I both have that uncomfortable, unpopular opinion. When people fill out surveys, they lie. And they lie for lots of different reasons. It doesn't mean they're bad people. Sometimes people lie because it's an act of self-preservation. And they're afraid of saying, my boss treats me like crap. Right? And and, and I've, I've done that. You know, there was a place I worked where the the annual employee survey, which is, is problematic in itself that you're sending out a survey once a year. But anyway, they sent out this annual employee survey after a couple of people had been laid off the day before at a small organization. Well, what do you think the the emotional makeup of that organization felt like the day people were filling out the survey? It was terrible. People just exactly. blasted everyone because they were mad and they were upset. It was very emotional. The timing was horrible. You've got a tiny speck in time where you are asking people for opinions of things. The other thing about people lying is that human beings sometimes lie not intentionally, right? Sometimes people think that their behavior is one way, but the data shows otherwise. And that's why I'm not saying you should never survey your employees, but you need to really look hard at what you're asking, why you're asking. And if you have the means to find the data, that's, that's that's true data, not just people's opinions of things. If you asked every employee in your organization, how often are you late for work? Most people are going to say, oh, I'm not late for work ever. But the data might show otherwise because people are human beings and sometimes people are late. But no one's going to say, yeah, I'm I'm probably late once a week by a few minutes. Like, no, you know, no one's going to admit that on the survey. So I think that is the inherent flaw with a lot of that information. And that's why what I love seeing now is there are more companies. um, There's one in particular, the 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 company's name is Mesh Diversity. And one of the things that they've worked on is... an inclusion engagement uh, format that is scientifically backed up. You can't game the survey. Like you and I just talked about, we, I know I've, I've answered questions where I think, "Ah, how honest do I really want to be about this? Mm -hmm. So I like that there are more ways now for people to get that information from employees without relying on anecdotal evidence that people might be exaggerating, they might be underplaying it. Um, And I I think the other problem, the biggest problem with surveys is that we are asking for information that we either can't or won't change. So if you, right, if you can't change what's being served on Fridays at lunch, don't ask what people want. Or the, or the other one that I think is even more interesting won't change. Like you're right. You're like, the, like the, the one-off chance that they actually are being authentic with you, right? Like, yes. Like your you're 100, you're 100 employees all got together like, all right, guys, we're going to tell the truth today. We're yep. going to actually try to make a difference and see if they're actually going to, you know, do make a change, yes. actually listen to us for once. Yep. And, then you, and then you collect that data just for the hell and the sake of collecting the data. Yep. And then do nothing about it. Yep. 
That's why when people say employees have ever, we all have survey fatigue. No, no, no. Employees aren't tired of doing surveys. They're tired of doing surveys when nothing changes after they've shared their feedback. They're tired of management doing nothing with the results. So yeah. one of the things I encourage communicators to do, or, if, or HR, whoever, whoever is helping with these surveys, when you're designing the survey, first of all, if at all, you need to have someone professional who has a scientific background in survey design help you with that. But again, besides the point, what I encourage people to ask leaders when you're designing the survey is when there are questions like, um, you know, I, here's, here's how often I want to hear from the CEO. I, ch I will then challenge the CEO and say, okay, if, if let's say employees come back and say, I only want to hear from the CEO once a year, what are you going to do with that information? Because then it forces a CEO to say, oh, or flip it around. Let's say employees come back and say, I want to hear from the CEO every day. Every morning when I get to work, I'd love to hear a message from the CEO. I then want to say to the CEO, okay, let's look at the extremes of this question. If people say they want to hear from you every day, are you prepared to communicate with them every day? If you're not, then don't ask this question or ask it in a different way. Very true. Very true. What, what do you... So that's interesting. How, how do you got, so how do you, what do you do with the data then? How, in, in your roles previously and the kind of what you do now, how do you then, how do you then guide these leaders? How do you guide the CEO to then make decisions, right? Because for me, a lot of, for me, everything is about emotions and everything is about perspective and the way that you're looking at a, a certain scenario. I don't think everything is as black as black and white as people like to say. Um, so, so what are those some emotional um, conversations that you have around his corporate, his or her core perspectives, or what's kind of what's kind of going on in the in the certain you know timeline of the business because there's definitely times throughout the year that the CEO is more busy than not. So how do you guide a CEO to make decisions based off of the data they're collecting from the survey? Well, I think the first piece of it is is making sure that before you even put the survey together you have a plan for a timeline of how long that survey is going to be out for and what you plan, how you plan to communicate the results after the fact. Because that's the other piece is there are so many times where we do surveys for employees and then we never, we don't even share the results, never mind do anything with them. Mm -hmm. So, and then why, why would anybody fill out a survey after that? So I think part of it is having that plan and making sure that senior leadership is involved in that plan, letting them know, okay, here's, here is the communications plan and strategy for this survey because it's a big deal. So the survey is going to be out for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, whatever we decide. And then after that, we're going to collect all this data and we are going to share it with employees. I think the more, uh, I hate the word transparent, but the more uh, honest and open you can be with the results in sharing them with your employees, the better. So if you can, if you can find uh, visually, interesting ways to share the hard data to say, we asked you guys these questions and here are the results. Here's what you said. Um, I think that goes a long way to build trust because yeah. now employees, right? Employees can now see exactly what everybody said. It's not you just presenting vague concepts and saying, well, most of you said this. Well, how many people said that? Yeah. Right. And if there's a way that you can involve the employees who, answered the survey again this there, there's some scaling issues there if you've got a company with 10,000 people you're not going to have all 10,000 involved but but if there's a way that you can then em involve employees with senior leadership 
to then discuss, well, how are we going to work through these things? Or for the parts that come back, hopefully, that people have said, this is amazing, don't change this. Great. How can we make sure we don't change that? Or how can we make sure we capture that? Yeah. Keep doing those things. So I think having everyone involved is a, is a great way to build that trust um, and have and have a culture of openness and honesty in your organization, or at least it's a great start. And a couple of things with, with, with what you just said. The first is um, a lot of people that listen to my podcast, I, I've, I've, I've said it a million times. So hopefully there's no one that is um, running a brand or being a part of a brand that let's call it let's call it two or 300 people that have more than two or 300 people. I've always talked about a lot of my core perspectives are around small to mid-sized brands because I'm a fan of this. And tell me if you think this is possible. I'm a fan of, if you have 150 or 200 employees, I know this may be again, going kind of going against the grain. And a lot of people may say this isn't the best use of someone's time, but I don't know. I don't think it's out of the, I don't think it's impossible to spend the next three weeks and have individual one-on-one 15 minute conversations or even, or even fire chat conversations, 50 people, 30 people at a time to, to, to kind of, again, get a, get a good pulse of the data that has then been collected and present that data and kind of have these conversations and kind of have them step outside of the, the norm and then step from behind the, the computer there and then kind of give their true perspectives and give them a moment and a chance to kind of expand on the questions that they were asked. Do you think that is possible? Yeah, that's, that's, let's stick there. Do you think that's possible? Do you think that's appropriate use of the time? I think if that was to occur at an organization that I worked for, I would cry tears of joy. I, I, I think that would be amazing. If you had a leader who said, like, let's say that leader said, I've got the next two weeks, I am blocking out 15 minute intervals Maybe that's in person. Maybe it's by phone, whatever. And I, I can talk to three to five people at a time. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm what blown away by your suggestion. CEO? What's that? What if it wasn't the CEO? I think anyone in senior leadership who yeah. is, yes, who is visible and who has the means to enact change. If you are in a position where you have that authority and you are willing to, I think you should be willing to, but, and you're willing to open up that conversation, that takes courage because that is, that's putting yourself in a very vulnerable position, but that would go miles to build trust with employees. If you are willing to open yourself up like that and open up that conversation, I think that would be amazing. Again, scalable, well, that depends how many people and, you know, timing and things like that. But I, but I, the fact that a senior leader would open up their calendar in that way. I, I've got to believe that if it's done authentically and done with, with great intention behind it and, and an honest intention behind it, even if you were an employee who didn't get that one-on-one -on -one time, it still says a lot to you as an employee that you have a senior leader who wants to hear from people at the organization. And I think that's huge. But the HR, so so here's another conversation, and I'm noticing how you're talking, and I don't think you're doing it on purpose. I, the HR leader, the director of employee experience, the VP of people, they should be part of that executive team, no? Yeah, 100%. Yes, I agree. Right? So that's that's kind of where I'm going at it. And again, this is just purely logical for me. Like, I yeah. don't really have too much data. Like, this is just what my brain tells me to do and what I have done. Like, yeah. 
you know, they should be part of the executive team. And if the CEO has a very full schedule and they cannot perform these things, they should give all the power in the world to empower these VP of people, whatever you want to call them, to be able to, to have these conversations, collect even more data at a very authentic level, and then also give them the power to, to conduct change. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, with the CEO's approval, but it should, it should be a very simple situation where here's the, the data I've collected. Here's what I think we should do. Green light or red light. What, what, right. what were your thoughts on this? Okay, boom. Let's let's go immediately into the situation. Let's actually try to change. But I think uh, that's what's so fascinating to me, Anthony. People like people like you who are passionate about people and and about change and communication, are who don't maybe have the same educational background as some of us who are in communications. That's why it's so important for us to hear and have conversations for, with people like you because you say things that to you seems very logical. And, and you're right. Like, it is logical. So why aren't we doing it, right? And sometimes it's nice to have that outside perspective of someone who's like, well, why don't you do it this way? And we're like, well, I don't know. We never thought of it that way. We've been overthinking this for the last 10 years, you know? Well, hold on here. There, there has to be a secret here. And I know there's a lot of other questions I want to get to, but I want to stick on this one more second here. Tell me the secret. You know, unveil, unveil something for me. <laughs> okay. Why isn't it happening like this? Like, because... <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to a lot of my episodes here. There were there's a few episodes where, and, I, and I'm sure everyone can hear the inflection in my voice, where I'm like almost screaming. Yeah. At, at, you know, tell me the truth here. Tell me, as a person that's been in this industry for a very how, how long has it been? Fit, over 15 yeah, years. Yeah, close to probably close to 15 years now. Yeah. Okay, 15 years. You have a lot of experience. Tell me the truth, as a, as a person that is just coming from a very logical, authentic perspective. Tell me the truth of why what I just said is not happening. Uh, I think there's two reasons. And I think my, this is my opinion. I think my number one reason is, is self-awareness and emotional intelligence. I think we have a lot of people making big decisions at companies who are not emotionally intelligent or who do not have the self-awareness to recognize what you and I think are very basic human functions, decisions that would make a huge difference in the workplace. Um, and then I think tied into that, there is a focus, and this is a much bigger conversation probably, but there's such a focus on shareholders, on profits, on stock prices, on whatever, that, that there's, there's a, people have forgotten that the reason that you can do well in business is the people that work for you. Now, I know that was your most authentic answer because I know you wouldn't BS me or lie to me. But <laughs> in my head, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm about to freak out and like throw my phone. In my <laughs> head, in my head, that's what I, that's what I'm feeling because it just, right. it's, it's super logical. Like I just, I, and I know that was the best answer you get because like, I, I know you a little bit here. I know you wouldn't just make that up or give me some fluff, some fluff answer. That's I know how that I feel. Good. That's, that's how I really think it's self-awareness and emotional intelligence are the two biggest skills that leaders can have. And I think there is a serious lack of that. This is crazy to me. I, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. And Anthony, that's why there's organizations I, I've either left or don't work with. Cause I'm like, I, I can't, I can't fix that for you. Like I'm trying yeah. here, but I can't fix that for you. It's frustrating because it's yeah. so simple. It's so simple. And I, but I, but I will say to that point, 
that is often where data comes in handy. Well, it's always handy, but comes in as even more important because if you are dealing with a leader who doesn't have that same emotional intelligence or that EQ, um, they, they very well may respond to hard numbers. So when you can tie the profitability of engaged employees to their business outcomes, there are many times where they understand that. They may not understand, you know, the, the human piece that you and I are talking about, about valuing people and everything else, but they will understand numbers. And so that's where communicators need to be chameleons in working with different leaders to understand their language and what's going to hit home with them. And you know what's happened? Very, very last thing. You know what's happened, too, from afar that I've been seeing? Hmm. A lot of these CEOs and a lot of these executives that have these perspectives and a lot of these companies that are now investing in a lot of tech and creating these these different systems and the software and these these surveys and all these different things that are out here to collect data because it's all about data now right yep yep you know these hr leaders they're starting to drink the potion and forget about what we just said right they're starting to now and i'm seeing this i i talk i had i had someone the other day pretty much tell me my entire podcast is uh is is like a fake reality, and I should try to <laughs> and I should try to provide more like legitimate value towards what's actually happening in the world today. And I and I and I said to them, I said, well, I'm trying to push against the grain here because yeah. what I'm saying just makes logical sense, and shouldn't we be doing what's best for a human? Yeah. Um, I, but that's and, crazy to some people. Like I just. <laughs> This is crazy. I'm going to move on. I'm right. to <laughs> uh, and I think it's like my sports nature, my sports background, you know, you know, your armchair quarterbacking this whole thing. And it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, you know, and again, and it's like, look guys, and, and here's the final thing I will say to kind of move on from this is, and what I, what I told this person is, look, I bid on both sides of the table. No, I have not ran a company, uh, a Fortune 500 company, Fortune 100. You know, no, I haven't had shareholders. No, you know, I, I haven't done these things. But I have ran companies and, and I have had 30, 40, 50 people that I was looking after or supporting or working with. You know, I have ran small teams. And, I, and, and at the end of the day, whether it's 50 people or 5,000 people, humans are humans. Yes. Everyone has emotions. You can scale, you can scale those emotions. You can scale those 50 people, I'm sure, are gonna have the very similar perspectives and and, and gut reactions to, to the five thousand. we're just people. It's the um, same thing I've said. If it's 30 people in an office or 30,000, it's the same challenges because just like you said, we are all human beings. And that's all it is. Yep, agreed. All right. Uh, on another we, we've note, solved we've solved a lot of world issues here today. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Uh but you know, it's going to be, I'm going to have a very interesting career here because now that I've decided to kind of go full-fledged into this space, um, I, I'm going to be a disruptor here. I'm going Good. To- <laughs> We're well, I'm welcoming all disruption with open arms. I'm so glad that you're, that you're living in this space now. Welcome. Yeah. And yeah. I have, a, and, and I have an intensity that I don't think people are ready for. So, <laughs> uh, talk to me about meetings that, uh, that don't suck here. Let's, let's oh. try to. And if that probably can go into another category that, as well. Yeah, that's, um, you know what, though, that ties into my encouragement for all employees, but especially managers and leaders to focus on those one-on-one communications. So, uh, you know, we talk about bringing 
employees should bring their their best selves to work or their whole selves to work. But I don't think that we've created spaces where they are comfortable doing that. And I, I that comes down to that weekly team meeting and that individual one-on-one -on -one meetings. And that comes down to that personal relationship. And, and, and I think people are afraid of using the word personal in a professional setting. But like you and I just said, everyone is a human being. And I, I know we can't all check ourselves at the door and not bring any emotion or anything to work with us. But yeah. what we can do is, is bring that with us and acknowledge, listen, I've got some, some crazy stuff going on at home right now. Uh, I'm, I'm doing the best I can here, but I, I might need to lean on some of you today because I'm, my brain's not functioning at high capacity. Great. Thank you for acknowledging that. How can we help you today? Yep. Right. And, and I, and that's where those conversations come in. So um, I, I have worksheets that I've used the last teams that I've run um, where it's, it's a check-in and the check-in is personal and professional. We don't have to get deeply personal if you don't want to, but I want to know, is there something distracting you? I don't need to, again, I don't need to know details. You can share what you want, but I want to know if there's something distracting you that's preventing you from, from working at a hundred percent today at work and how can we help that? Yeah. And so I think a lot of leaders aren't doing yeah. it. So that you can strategically align. Maybe you can uh, take a little bit of some of the task off their plate for that day. Absolutely. Uh, you know, or can maybe... we shift your schedule? You know, is there something that we were going to do today that doesn't have to be done today that we can do tomorrow? If... Right. And that effort and that intentionality is, 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 the, is the core and the meat of everything, right? Because yeah. when they see that you're willing to then put a little bit of strategy behind the data that, 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 you, that you're now collecting, they're yeah. going to remember that. They're going to yes. think about that. Yes. They're going to remember that every single time they're going to have, they're going to have internal communications among their other peers within the company, some of the other employees, and that slowly but surely is going to begin to resonate. And that's really the culture. The culture yes. isn't that BS that you try to spew out on the email or the right. you have on the walls. The culture really is the relationship that you have with your leader, as well as the relationships and the inner workings between you and the other 400, 500, 200 people within the company. And yes. the internal communication that they're having amongst each other. Yep, um, yep, yep. It is. It's, a, it's about yeah. it's about someone giving a shit about you. Yeah. Right. I want to go to I want to go to work and know that I don't I don't need to be best friends with everyone I work with, and I don't need to divulge my deep dark secrets. But I want to know that they give a crap about who I am. Yep. Very interesting, and it's tough. Um, it is tough. Yeah. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, you know. Again, I don't want to talk too much about. Have, let me ask you this: Actually, uh, is a lot of your experience in your background working for uh, big, big brands like over five hundred people, a thousand no. people? No, no, no. It's smaller. Yeah, got it. So, what yeah. was the? What were the? I guess the the biggest company you worked for? Well, so here, so so the last company I worked for, the office itself was very small. It was only about thirty I mean. people. Yeah, yeah, but um, but our one of our audiences that we communicated with, there was about fourteen thousand. Now they weren't employees, but it was an, it was a, an association style organization. So okay. yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, employee engagement as it pertains to kind of like the the one-on-one -on -one relationships you know is there do you have like a template or like a system or or certain questions that you you typically ask that's something that i've actually been 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 diving into a little bit i i'm a i'm a freestyler um okay. and i'm and, a, and i'm realizing that i i, I do want to start to develop 
and, and I'm, I'm really not a fan of this, to be honest, but I do know once I decide to kind of jump back into another company that certain CEOs like to kind of have playbooks, right, and systems. Mm-hmm. And they kind of want to know, what are you asking my people here? You know, um, what are the core areas of life that you're, you're, you're based off the conversation that you're diving into? So do you personally have like a template or like a playbook or like a system as it pertains to the one-on-ones? Like your yep. core five or 10 things that you go over? Yep, I've got two of them and they're both available totally for free to download on my website. Um, one like is a plug Yeah, right. I know. That's why I was like, thanks for asking, Anthony. I Great like question. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to ChristianHancock.com. Um, so, so they're both available. It's under, the section is tools for change. Um, there's a weekly, I call it a coffee party because a party sounds way better than a meeting. And then there's a monthly individual meeting worksheet. And both of them are templates. Both of them are things that you, that everyone fills out, manager and employee. Um, the, the, both of them include pieces that are, I, I explain it as a template that allows you to have a structured conversation with room for whatever else happens. Okay. So it's giving you the topics that you need to cover, personal and professional. But then, of course, there's room for conversation about both of them. Um, the the weekly coffee party worksheet, my encouragement for everyone is that whoever hosts the meeting changes each week so that everyone on your team has an opportunity to be a leader and everyone on your team has an opportunity to run this meeting and I kind of get a taste for what that's like. Um, and, and, and yeah, go through, the, go through the motions of understanding what that leadership role feels like. Very cool. Okay, so yeah. that's the plug-in, guys. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to the side because that's something, no, that is, you know, that's something that I've been realizing. Um, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit more unorthodox and, and a freestyler than most. So, um, you know, a little structure is always helpful, uh, especially for, you know, senior leadership. They like to, they like to know what exactly are you going to be asking? What's going to be the format? Um, you know, what data are you going to be retrieving? Um, yeah, because I, I think I, for yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Well, for people who like, let's be honest, you and I could probably sit and have those kinds of honest conversations without a template. But there are a lot of people, especially if you don't know your employees all that well, or if you're uncomfortable bringing some of these things up, having a worksheet gives you some structure yep. and some questions to answer so that you don't have to sit there and think, oh, geez, what should I ask next? A hundred percent. No, you're right about that. It definitely, it definitely is helpful. Um, and it's yeah. something, honestly, that again, I'm doing just to, just to say that I do have it. <laughs> um, but, but really, I am, I am a freestyler. And I think, um, but, but I think there's also some authenticity and some, and some value to that. So if anyone out there is very similar to me that can kind of just jump in and have that conversation, I think it's, I think there's some value to that. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. And then I got a couple more and then I'll let you run. What are, how do you, I was, I was listening to Daniel uh, Coleman or Goldman. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? He's, he's really oh, Coleman. Yeah. Coleman. Goldman, right? I think. Yep. Goldman, one of those. Sorry, guy. Uh, sorry there, buddy. I didn't mean to butcher your name there, but um, <laughs> he uh, he was going into kind of like how you can indicate someone that has like emotional or relational intelligence and a lot of these other factors that uh, are key indicators towards realizing if someone's going to be a good leader or not. How have you assessed that, right? Because that's a that's a aspect of my career that I'm not sure 
I've been the greatest at. I, I, I can't quantify why, personally, I am a good leader. Uh, I can't really tell you why, I don't know, 90% of people that meet me like me. I don't really know. I can't write it down for you and, and, and provide like a like a, an equation for it. You know, I, it's, I don't really know the playbook. You know, so as a leader, though, I think it's valuable and it's a skill to be able to identify other leaders and, and to be able to identify other people that are uh, going to be doing a good job leading your people. So do you have any skills around that or able to kind of like identify those that have those good EQ skills or what are your thoughts? That's, on that? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think that's where there are professional resources and people who do that for a living, who have a background yeah. in you know, psychology and an education background and some of those things that I know for me that I can sense a feeling of, oh, I'm comfortable around this person or this person's really courageous and, and vulnerable and that gets brought to the table at our team meetings. And so I, I trust that person as a yeah. leader. And, but, but do I have a, a matrix for quantifying that? No, I don't think I do. Now, do, it, does it exist? Maybe. I'd love to hear about it if there's someone yeah. listening to your podcast who maybe says, oh yeah, here you go. Um, that's a, I don't know. That's a complicated question. And yeah. I, I, it might also depend on the role. It might depend on the organization too, and what you're expecting of that person. I do know that I've worked in organizations where people are promoted based on seniority or expertise in their subject matter. And that does not necessarily equate to being a good leader. Because those are two, those are two different skill sets, right? Yes. That, those yeah. are very two different skill sets. You're right about that. Sorry. I was just thinking about, um, no, I just think it's interesting. I was just thinking about how, because I, cause I know I've had leaders kind of tell me like, hey, like, how are you going to, how are you going to sniff out the next crop of leaders? How are you going mm -hmm. to um, find someone that is similar to you or find someone that's different than you, but also has those leadership qualities and capabilities? And um, I, I would like to think that I'm very talented in a lot of different areas, but I will admit that is something that I, I've, I've struggled with. I'm not the greatest uh, selector of uh of leadership talent. Um, I think my blind spot too with leadership talent is um, this is gonna make my ego sound enormously huge, but, but subconsciously finding people who are similar to me. And that does not necessarily mean that they are great leaders exactly. because there's, there's huge value in diversity of personality um, among other things to make a great leader. And, and I am probably like you pretty outgoing, pretty, you know, more extroverted than introverted and things like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that those are the same qualities that someone else needs to have to be a good leader. Exactly. So, yeah. Here's my final question. And this is going to be another plug here. Um, and there's <laughs> okay. a ton of other questions that we did not get to. And, and I've, I've been trying to, I've been trying to get some, um, some part two interviews. Uh, there actually has, has been one person, uh, Faswila uh, Samson. I always uh, accidentally butcher her name. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, she uh, she's been on the podcast two times, and I think there's a third coming up. So um, I would love to dive into the rest of these questions at another time if you're open to it. Of course, absolutely. Um, so the last question, and there's another plug here for you. I'm <laughs> noticing that um, you are. I want to say you're speaking at this conference. What employees want? Uh, in yes. Atlanta. Yep. Super interesting. Uh, Very how, interesting. How did that come about? Um, another question, this is for me selfishly. Do they need any volunteers? <laughs> hey, I, you know what? They might. So the, this conference is, I think, one of the most unique, if not the most unique, employee communications conferences I have heard of. It's a good friend and colleague of mine, Jason Anthoin. 
uh, he runs Audacity Communications. He is, I, I, I call him, he was a little offended by this. I called him the Dr. Phil of internal communications only because he has such great quotes that he kicks out. He's from the South and he's just got these, these great quotes. But so I, I meant that in a good way because I, I like Dr. Phil. But um, so he's running this event. His company's running this event that's kind of flipping the game a little bit on employee engagement conferences because he's bringing in employees so that the rest of us can hear what these people really want out of communications and engagement. So I, know, I, I, saw I, that. I saw yeah, that. I just, that's so cool. it's a genius idea. It's going to be really, really unique. I am happy to connect you with him. Um, so yeah, I come one, come all, I'm going to be down. It's in Atlanta, January 22nd, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an amazing event. If you, or anyone else is, is interested in that employee engagement internal comms space, there is the best part I think about that, about this space is it's such a welcoming, um, supportive group of people. And we're happy to have more join the club. So um, okay. come one, come all. Because I assumed uh, the speakers and maybe some of the workshops, I'm assuming that part is all kind of probably booked up and filled up by now. So I figured. You know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Some of it might be. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we can connect on that. Yep. Cool. Um, so there was a question that I did have about that and why I brought that up. So uh, from your perspective, what do you think, you know, what do what do employees want? Or what do you think, you, what, are, what are your quickly your top three? And for me, one of, my top, uh, my top one of one is uh, is making employees feel safe. Um, I think mm. I can go into a lot of different categories with that. But for me, very simply put, you know, if you can make an employee feel safe, you can learn a lot about that employee at a very hum human level. You can then retrieve a lot of data around certain tasks or projects that they want to work on to keep them engaged. And then also, if they feel safe and comfortable, you can then um, you then have an employee that will tell you what's happening in the reality of the brand. So a lot of the leaders that are sitting at the top of these companies, they don't really know what's happening in the muck anymore, right? Because they're not right. in the muck. They're not there. Um, whether like whether it's a huge, huge brand where you have some of these employees that are in like these retail stores. Like you you have no idea as a CEO of 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 the gap or, you know, you have no idea what's happening in, in these individual stores. And you need to have mm -hmm. employees that feel safe to tell their managers, for those managers to tell the general managers, and for those communications to kind of work their way up. Um, so for me, it's feeling safe. What are, I guess, a couple for you? So if I'm going to put that number one, feeling safe. Yeah. I'm going to put number two, they want to be heard. And number three, they want to be empowered. So I, I think those are, those would be my top three. Yeah, yeah, very, 100%. Very cool. and, and what was the, what was the date of this event again? January 22nd in Atlanta. January 22nd, cool. Well, uh, I really appreciate this. I think uh, I think this is one of the the most um, emotion driven, energetic uh, interviews that I've had in a while. Here, I think uh, I think our passion is definitely going to be heard. Agreed. I agree. Yeah, we we could probably talk for another four hours. It'd be the world's longest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do a Joe Rogan style. Have you seen? Him? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's on. He's only for like three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Any any plugins? You know, we've done a couple already, but tell everybody where they can find you—the LinkedIn, your website. Uh... Absolutely, all social media. My website is kristenhancock.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I'm all over the internet, as we all are. So I'm happy to connect. Um, my my selfish request for people who send me LinkedIn connections is just that they put a little bit of a note 
about how they heard about me or found me or whatever, just so I, I can put the pieces together. But happy to connect. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate this, Kristen. It was uh, it thank was you. No, Anthony, it was so much fun. I appreciate you having me. All right, we'll talk soon. Yep. Take care. You too. Bye.